Hi everyone, welcome to The Lab Report, a podcast that will show you the inner workings of the clinical lab through discussions, interviews, and stories. Most importantly, you will see what goes on behind the scenes in the clinical lab and how it can impact you. I am your host, Victoria, and today I will be talking to Dr. Khosro Adeli. Dr. Adeli is the head of clinical biochemistry at the Hospital for Sick Children, a senior scientist in molecular medicine at the Hospital for Sick Children Research Institute, and the vice chair of laboratory medicine and pathobiology at the University of Toronto in Toronto, Canada. He is joining us today to talk about how blood tests are interpreted, challenges with blood test interpretation in children, and about a project that he initiated to overcome this challenge and improve patient care. So thank you for joining us today, Dr. Adeli. Thank you. So most people have had their blood work done either for a checkup appointment or when they're sick, and their doctor will review their results to determine if they're healthy or potentially sick. So can you tell us about how doctors really interpret blood test results? So doctors uh, typically rely on reference values, uh, what we used to call normal values provided by labs. You could also call those expected values. What do you expect in an adult or child for a particular test? And these uh, normal ranges or values, now we call reference values, are typically available on the report and the results, the test results on the patient are interpreted based on those uh, values. Okay, so these expected ranges, or now we call them reference intervals, how are these actually calculated or, or developed? Where do these values come from? In most cases, uh, the manufacturer of the instrument used to do the testing or the reagents used to do the testing provide reference values that most labs use on a routine basis. Many labs also go to the uh, scientific literature and use information available from the literature published by various studies. Uh, But in most cases, uh, data or or reference uh, interval information is not readily available. Uh, There are also significant differences in what people use from lab to lab. So when we have this reference interval, is this really supposed to be used for everyone, or do populations really need something specific? Well, ideally, the reference values or reference intervals should be based on a healthy population, whether it's a healthy adult population or healthy children population, one needs to ensure that the, res- the values are based on a, a large uh, healthy population and uh, determined in each region and e- in each country so that uh, the reference values are relevant to the population being tested or the patients who are being monitored for various conditions. Ideally, uh, one needs to uh, develop these reference values and and monitor and update them every few years. So one of these special populations would be children and adolescents, or called the pediatric population. So what would be the main challenges for establishing reference intervals specific for children? 
reference values need to be, or reference intervals need to be relevant to the population. Uh, whether it's a ch children population, adult population, or geriatric, older population, one needs to ensure that we have appropriate reference values available. Uh, this is uh, challenging because it is really difficult to determine pediatric or childhood reference intervals and geriatric reference intervals because of the difficulty in accessing these special populations. Uh, one typically requires collection of blood samples from healthy children, uh, and that is, of course, very challenging uh, since most healthy children are not uh, being tested routinely, uh, are healthy and are at the schools and community centers and homes, and accessing these populations are difficult and quite challenging. And the amount of blood you require to determine reference intervals is also a challenge when you're dealing with children. So why is having reference intervals specific for children important? Well, that is important because children are not small adults. Children are rapidly uh, growing after birth, uh, changing in physiology and metabolism, affecting many of the tests that we actually uh, perform in children. Therefore, uh, normal ranges or reference intervals need to be uh, determined uh, at different ages and um, also in both sexes uh, and potentially even um, in different ethnic groups to ensure that we have appropriate age and sex-specific reference ranges available. Now, this is uh, quite challenging because it would mean that one needs to test healthy neonates, healthy newborns, healthy infants, uh, toddlers, school children, and teens, and, 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 and look at hundreds and thousands of uh, these children to determine appropriate reference ranges. For that reason, it has been quite challenging, and therefore, there have been significant gaps in this area. So we can really see why having reference intervals specific for children is very important, as well as how this is really challenging. So can you tell us about the project that you initiated to really address this gap in reference intervals for children? So this project uh, began uh, in uh, around 2008, 2009, and uh, it uh, was was called the Caliper Project. Caliper is standing for Canadian Laboratory Initiative on Pediatric Reference Intervals. This basically was a, a joint initiative of uh, at initially about five children hospitals from coast to coast, actually uh, starting in St. John's, Newfoundland, Montreal uh, uh, Children Hospital and St. Justine, Toronto Ch uh, Sick Children Hospital, McMaster Children Hospital, as well as uh, Vancouver uh, Women's and Children Hospital. And I believe we also had participation by a couple of other hospitals later on, including Saskatoon, uh, Winnie University Hospital, and Ottawa Chio uh, Children Hospital in Ottawa. So uh, this was a collaborative effort to begin this project. I'm happy to say that it has been a very productive collaboration. It has led to collection of over 10,000 uh, samples. So we have been recruiting families, children, healthy children, and their families into this study uh, with uh, consent from both parents and children, as well as uh, 
uh, schools and community centers that have allowed us to access these healthy children. It has been a very challenging project, but it has uh, become highly successful, more successful than we initially uh, expected. We initially actually were, were aiming for uh, about 400 to 800 children, and we now have actually over 10,000 uh, children uh, recruited. Now, these these samples, blood samples collected from children, have then been used to determine many tests, and then statistical analysis has been performed to calculate what we call reference intervals or normal ranges. And this, uh, all of this data has also been published and made available to hospitals that really need it, uh, which is children hospitals, but also many adult hospitals that do also have children patients uh, of pediatric age. So the data has been made widely available to hospitals around the country and elsewhere. So Caliber's clearly been very successful as well as very impactful. And what do you think are the next steps for Caliber? Well, Caliber um, continues to update the reference uh, ranges or reference intervals determined uh, for um, over 170 different tests. But we also uh, have to uh, still uh, determine reference values for some tests that are being developed, some new tests that are, do not have appropriate reference intervals available. We need to update these reference intervals for new instruments that, uh, that labs uh, uh, are now using and, and therefore, this work continues, and really, it's an ongoing program. It's really a, not a single project. It's a program that will need to continue as long as we have uh, hospitals. Uh, we also need this kind of activity to continue to update reference values for children for many uh, decades to come. So Caliper was uh, was initiated but uh, as a project, but it has really it turned into a program, that ongoing program that would need to be continued uh, uh, by future scientists and uh, families who have been uh, contributing. I should also say that we also plan to do additional studies on very young children. We have uh, uh, very uh, sound data, uh, robust data available for children of 1 to 18 years of age, but not so much so for very young neonates and infants. And therefore, a new project called the Caliper Mother and Child Study has recently begun to try to address this gap in collaboration with uh, maternity uh, uh, wards of uh, hospitals in the greater Toronto area, including Mount Sinai Hospital and uh, Sunnybrook and elsewhere where we are trying to actually uh, uh, study both uh, pregnant moms uh, during pregnancy and their, and their newborn uh, children uh, so that we have very uh, robust data set available for those uh, uh, populations. Uh, this, I'm hoping, the mother and child study will finally fill uh, the remaining gaps available. And then the future, uh, basic of caliper would be to simply update these reference intervals and add to the database 
as new tests are developed. So if our listeners want to learn more about Caliper and the database, where would they be able to read more or access this database? So Caliper data has been published uh, uh, widely. Uh, we actually have over 50 publications reporting uh, Caliper data in various uh, journals, but also to make the data readily available. We have developed an online web database and that's freely available for, uh, and it's meant mostly for professionals and, and uh, clinician professional, uh, either scientists or clinicians and uh, lab personnel, uh, trainees. Uh, but also we have created uh, mobile apps uh, these mobile apps available for both iTunes and Google Play phones and uh, tablets uh, can be uh, used to uh, actually readily use the Caliper database to interpret uh, children lab results. Uh, so many pediatricians and clinicians are starting to now to use the apps to actually directly access uh, the Caliper database for their interpretation of lab results. So that regardless of where they are in the country or in the world, they can uh, readily act, uh, interpret uh, results based on the database. Uh, and the good thing is that the connection does not, does not require a Wi-Fi connection. This really helps um, improve access to the program. So what would the, the web address be or the name of the Caliper app for um, our listeners to access? So one can readily access the website. It's called caliperproject.org or .ca. And uh, one could also easily find the apps on iTunes and uh, Google Play by just typing in Caliper reference app. And uh, 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 they're both uh, freely available to download. So thank you very much for joining us today, Dr. Adeli. Thank you. So thank you all for listening to this episode of The Lab Report. So please let us know what you think by leaving us a review on iTunes. And you can email us any questions you have at epoc or epocc at cscc.ca. See you in the next episode.